Hello and welcome to episode 24 of The Turning Years. I'm your host Paul, and did you know that many wrestlers have nicknames with tools in them? Hacksaw, Butch Reed, Jim, The Anvil, Nightheart, Greg, The Hammer, Valentine, and of course, my co-host, Alan Key, Dave Evans. Hey Dave, how you doing? I'm good Paul, how are you? I'm, I'm not bad, not bad at all. Even after watching this show? Oh well, I wasn't going to get to there yet, <laughs> because... Uh, we've told you before that we, we record two shows at a time, yes? We have told I believe we've mentioned that. Um, it's really made me think we should have just done, you know, Supercard. That was my original idea, I was going to do Supercard, and we're just going to pick a random event. And I was like, no, let's do something historic. Let's follow a company from the beginning to the end. And boy, am I regretting that right now. So whose end are we going to as or theirs? <laughs> uh, I'd say that we're going to go for... I think we can stick it out, Dave. Not only do I think we can stick it out, I think we can get to the end of the invasion. Wow. Rather than rather than the end of real WCW, I might say we go to the end of invasion. No, Survivor Series is when it ends, isn't it? The Alliance. Yes. Yeah. Just look forward to those shows, because even they're better than this crap. <laughs> so, the year is 1990. Yes, the year is 1990. It's the 27th of October, and it's Halloween Havoc. Yeah. So, we are in Chicago, Illinois. For another Tritown Rumble? Unfortunately not. No. The UIC Pavilion, with an attendance of 8,000 people. That doesn't seem too bad. Eight thousand is a pretty good number for WCW at the moment, I think. What do you think? Yeah, the crowd were there, not as lively. As no, you'd not expect very... eighty thousand. It, it did feel like they were sort of being held hostage to watch a wrestling show. But is that not what happened to us? Well, we certainly were because, as we said, you know, I, I didn't choose to do Supercard. We could have been, we could have been discussing, you know, WrestleMania X. Seven, but no, I was like, let's do WCW. I've heard they've had a couple of good years. So we have a pay per view buy rate as well for this show. It was one point three. I'd be. That's not terrible for WCW. No, nah, it's not as good as the previous pay per view though, which I think got one point four. So yeah, it's slightly down. Which they need to be thankful for because this was not a good show. But there are many, many things we can discuss. The matches will probably be. One of the least to discuss things, but there is plenty of WCW weirdness about this time period. So don't worry, it's not just going to be me complaining about the matches. Although, if you'd like enjoying hearing me go completely crazy, you might get some of that. So our commentary team for tonight. Yes. Jim Ross and Paulie Dangerously. Yes, in Halloween outfits. So, Jim Ross was in a suit. Yeah, you didn't realise what his outfit was. No, I just saw Jim Ross in a suit. They're in Chicago. He's a gangster. He's probably Al Capone. I'm not wearing anything but a suit. Yes, Jim Ross was not having any of this. No, oh. None of this at all. Remember when he dressed up as a Roman? His first night in WWF? <laughs> at WrestleMania 9. Yeah. yeah. At the world's largest toga party. Yeah. And that just goes to show the difference, doesn't it? There is one guy in charge of the WWF, and you don't say no to him. 
WCW is a mess. Uh, so Paulie's a vampire, and yeah. he can't speak with the teeth in, so he takes them out. Wise. Wise. I'm glad he did. Uh, what do you think about this commentary team? I mean, I have fond memories of them during the during the invasion, to be honest. They work well together. It's a good heel-face dynamic. Yeah. I, I think sometimes Paulie can get a little over-enthusiastic. Yes. He can he can go from being a wrestling heel to a cartoon supervillain. Well, we'll talk about his antics later. Yes. There's something that comes up, and I've got a perfect description of it for later. Okay, then. But we start off with an interview. Tony Schiavone interviewing Ricky Morton. Tony Schiavone? I only saw The Phantom of the Opera. You didn't know who that was either. I did. I was going to say, you just give me a look like, oh... Yeah. Uh, in my notes, Tony is dressed as the Phantom of the Opera. Fair enough. While Rich and Morton are dressed like they've just come from an amateur performance of Grease. They really are. They look like a couple of greasers. Ricky Morton's got his hair tied back. Yeah, I didn't even recognise him for a bit. He, I thought his hair was actually cut until I saw the ponytail. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at a later gimmick he refuses to cut the hair. So it really doesn't help solve the gimmick, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, so they've got a match coming up. They're, um, Morton is without Robert Gibson. Robert Gibson, because Gibson has been injured by those dastardly freebirds. Those dastards. Indeed. Utter dastards. Yeah, so they've got revenge on their mind for that, but for now they've got to focus on the match that's coming up. Which is? It's Morton and Rich versus the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't think that Rich did much in this match at all. He did nothing in this match. It's one of my notes. He might as well have had an injured partner on the apron because it would have been just the same. The only saving grace of this match is that the three guys know each other so well that they can just go through the motions and still have a pretty good match. It's an alright match. It's not the best we've seen these guys do. Um, Morton hitting a couple of Hurricane Runners, or as JR called one of them, a Japanese head scissor takedown. I believe that's how it used to be called in the aces, yes. I don't have many notes for this match at all, to be honest. So it's essentially Ricky Morton doing what he does best and selling, while Tommy Rich does nothing on the apron and then eventually we get a hot tag to Tommy Rich and he comes in and cleans house but of course all four men are in the ring there's a bit of distraction going on the referee's not paying attention tennis racket and there's a tennis racket shot to Tommy Rich who falls from the top rope to the ring but the referee's still distracted and here come those wild eyes southern boys dressed as dressed as Jim Cornette for Halloween and it was pretty funny, to be honest, seeing them dressed as Jim Cornette. I, I actually was like, okay, all right, we'll see where the feuds go in. But anytime I see anything remotely amusing when Jim Cornette's involved, I'm always like, aren't you the guy that's like, funny, don't draw money? It's like, you're constantly, you you are constantly funny, and you drew money. Like, calm down. <laughs> but the one thing I do remember from this match is there are some wild moves, considering it's a, basically a nothing match. Isn't there a rocket launcher to the outside? Rocket launcher to the outside. An Alabama jam, which instead of going for a free count, 
Bobby Moore, Bobby Morton, Bobby Eaton <laughs> insists the referee counts to ten, and naturally Ricky Morton makes it up yeah. before that, which I thought was a really odd thing for a heel to do in yeah. those circumstances. I get the impression it's just trying to lengthen the match, but as you say, the Wild Eyes Southern always come out. They take the mick out of Jim Cornette. They've both got tennis rackets. They throw Cornette into the ring and he drops his tennis racket. And Tommy Rich is a dirty cheat. Uses that tennis racket on poor Bobby Eaton and gets the free count. Yeah. And so, I have news, Dave. You have news? I have, I have news. Brace yourself. Okay, braced. This is the last midnight express match I'll say again this is the last midnight express match but it can't be um, it is because well, it's the last one we're going to see soon after this the midnights are at a television taping they're there for two days there are no matches on the first day for them and then there are something like six matches on the second day for them so Cornette obviously being the calm and rational person that he is goes in and talks to Oli and says why did you get us to come in both days when Stan could have spent a day with his family or you could have spread both these matches out so the guys aren't so beat up Oli says if you don't like it you can go home Jim says thank you I think I will so Jim starts walking out bumps into Stan Lane he says I'm going home I've had enough Stan says, I'm coming with you. So they drive off. They First of all, they meet Bobby Eaton and they, they understand that Bobby's Bobby's got a family and that or more of a family, family. So he needs the money. So they're like, we're done. We're going to go and we'll see you down the road. We understand you've got to stay. So they get in the car and they drive off. About half an hour later, Ole Anderson comes to Bobby Eaton and goes, where's Stan and Jim? They left, and that was it. They basically Jim started creating Smoky Mountain wrestling. We do see Jim Cornette again, but this is the last time that we will see the Midnights, I believe. We do get plenty of Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton sticks around, and he's in quite a few feuds and matches and things like that. So there is at least that. Yes, but the Midnight Express. The greatest tag team in the world, the backbone of your tag division, in my opinion, are gone. So, if we go back to the beginning of our recordings, back to early '88. Yep. Look at the tag division they had. They had Arn and Tully. Yep. They've now got Arn on his own. They had the Powers of Pain. They're in the WWF. They had the Road Warriors. They're in the WWF. They had um, Nikita Koloff and Ivan Koloff. Um, they're gone. They're gone. They literally have wasted a great deal of talent. And that's the problem with this card. And we'll 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 come down to it and we'll talk about everything. But there's there's quite a few cards coming up where you don't understand who these people are. I had that a bit this show, but I think it gets worse. Yes, it definitely gets worse. So the Put together a team of Rich and Morton and beat the Midnight Express. And we go on to the next match. No. Right. 
on the WWE Network, the next match doesn't exist. So I took the results and I decided what happened in the match for you. So match number two. Oh, yes. There are numerous matches that did not make the the home video release. And rumours have it that the original master tape of Halloween Havoc 90 was destroyed or lost. Because WWE have the masters for everything else. So I've made up what happened anyway. So match number two. I just One more thing before we get there. One more thing. I did find the complete event that was obviously taped from when somebody ordered the event. Having read what the matches were, I'm such a good friend. I didn't want to put us through it. Yeah, that's what I decided on how they went in my mind. And these are much better. Okay. So, match number two, Terry Taylor versus Bill Irwin. So, it only can be described as an instant classic. <laughs> Terry Taylor won in just over 11 minutes. Nice, We nice. move on to another match here. We have match number three, which isn't on the show we saw, which is Brad Armstrong versus J.W. Storm. Storm dominates as the larger man for the majority of the match, but Brad fires up around the four-minute mark, knocking Storm down and then jumping to the top. Rope, I assume I should say, actually, to the top rope. Storm goes to cut him off, but Brad leaps straight over him into a sunset flip for the three. Match number four. <laughs> have you just made this up? Do you know J.W. Storm is a big guy? I have no idea who he is. He, he was one of the masked guys in one of the previous shows. He's ah. bigger than Brad Armstrong. Okay. But match number four is the Master Blasters versus the Southern Boys. <laughs> <laughs> the Blasters dominate Tracy, keeping him in their corner. He eventually gets the hot tag to Steve, who starts a comeback. As Blade and Tracy fight to the outside, distracting the referee, Steele pulls some black powder from his tights, throws it in the eyes of Steve, and rolls him up for a free count. Impressive. So far, I'm liking your card more than this one. And now we move on to the actual card again, because here's the interview with Sting and Tony Schiavone. There is an interview with Sting and Tony Schiavone. This is amazing. This is so amazing. It's brilliant. And it's not long. Before, Sting comes out and he's Sting. He's very he's animated. And very quickly, Tony Schiavone mentions the Black Scorpion. The Black Scorpion. Oh, the Black Scorpion. <laughs> when... A figure comes out dressed in black with a big, deep, booming voice blatantly coming over the sound system, grabs someone from the crowd, taunts but Sting. We've got, you're missing a point here. He's calling Sting. He's saying, Sting, Sting. And Sting turns to Tony Giovanni and says, what, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I totally missed that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Sting. You see, I thought it was a member of the crew, a female member of crew, because of the way she was dressed. Yeah, it, it's supposed. To, it's a plant. It's obviously someone this person worked with. Yeah. But they grab this member of the crew. They dra- we'll call her Debbie McGee. Yes. They, yes. They, they, they grab. They grab Debbie. Um, drag her into a cage, sort of thing. Pull. A curtain comes up. Yeah. Sting at this point is desperately trying to get towards this. Apparatus. Why are um, the referees stopping him from... Um, I was going to say, and boy, desperately, I mean, he's been stopped by about one referee and the rest of them are just waving around near him. But why don't they want this woman to be saved? I have no idea. This poor woman has been kidnapped. And I'm just pointing out 
that during all this, this voice is still going on. Ah, oh, Sting, witness my black magic. Oh, Sting, I've I've got your number, Sting. And what happens is, the Sting finally breaks through the gaggle of referees. Uh, is a group of referees a gaggle? I, I like the term gaggle. I think that's acceptable for. A or is it a count of referees? A count of referees. <laughs> Sting gets to the the ca- the curtain covered cage. Fireworks go off. The curtain drops, and there's nobody in the cage. And in a spectacular appearance, or what's supposed to be a spectacular appearance. The Black Scorpion and the stagehand appear behind Sting. But what actually has blatantly happened is they've run out of the cage, run round the stage that the wrestlers come out of, and and just pushed themselves out of the curtain. How do I know this? Because you can see it happening. It's really bad. It's absolutely hilarious. And I've seen better tricks than this at magic shows. Like, much better tricks than this. Or this, tr- this trick done well. Paul Daniels, he ain't. No, exactly. It's Paul Daniels is an is an eighties and nineties uh, British. He's he's a very famous British uh, magician. Yeah. For our international listeners, yeah, it's just it's really bad, and all the time he's taunting Sting and poor Jim Ross and poor Paulie are just destroying their credibility. You'd think this person had turned water into wine the way they are just... Oh, my God, can you believe it? I've got a description of Paul Lee. Let's get to the end of my thing on this. Right, we've got Jim Ross and Paul react. Paul Lee sounds like a child who's just had a coin pulled from behind his ear. <laughs> that is exactly right. Wow. <laughs> See, it's bad. Was anything I said there wrong, Dave? No. You can see them... Coming out from behind that curtain. Now, I sent you a text not long after I first watched this and said, you need to watch Arrested Development if you haven't already. I have managed to, to watch it. Because the one son in that is um, played by Will Arnett. Yes, I know Will Arnett. Yeah. Lego Batman. Lego Batman. He plays, Jack Horseman. He plays Job Bluth, G-O-B, um, George Oscar Bluth is his full name. Ah. So, But he's a magician and is not he's, the greatest. I was going to say... But I just want his voice to be over because I want Sting to start calling these tricks and him to go, no, no, tricks are what whores do. <laughs> <laughs> these are illusions. But in the Black Scorpion's case, it's black magic. Yeah, it's black magic. And them desperate... I mean, we, we, we've we had the start of the, the Black Scorpion thing before because we had the... We had the match where we lost the mask and it wasn't really him. Yeah. So this isn't a new angle, but this was bad. This was humorous, and that's not what they're going for. And to be fair, there are some screams from small children, but... He should have small children, not Paul Lee. <laughs> well, he's not exactly a tall guy. I, all I can think of is, if Vince McMahon had done this, it would be laid out perfectly. You'd never see anything. It would look like... It would at least look like a good version of the disappearing person trick. Not a wide, it's not like a wide cam. It's like um, Magic's Greatest Secrets Revealed. It is like it's blatantly obvious what they've done, and it's just oh, it's the best in the worst way because 
this, I want to remind you, Sting is the world's heavyweight champion. <laughs> it's not like he's the US champion or the TV champion, or even just like, oh, we need something for Sting to do, sticking with this illusionist for a bit. He's got a match later on with Sid Vicious. Yes, big Sid Vicious. They keep calling him Big Sid Vicious. Because he's big. He is big. So, shall we go on to the next match? Yeah. It's it's moments like that, though, that I wish we could just embed that entire segment into the podcast. But the podcast is now paused. Now you've got to find a screen because it's so funny. So, the next match is the Renegade Warriors, Chris and Mark Youngblood versus the Freebirds. Yeah, let's not, let's not call them fabulous Freebirds. Let's just call them the Freebirds because they ain't fabulous. Um, this is Mark Youngblood's first match in, in on pay-per-view for WCW, or for the NWA, since Starcade 83, where he would have teamed with Ricky Steamboat. Are you sure you're getting the right Youngblood here? I, I may not be getting the right Youngblood. Mark's older brother, Jay, was regular tag team partners with Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, I'm, I'm wrong then. So, yeah... These are the younger brothers of Jay Youngblood, who is well-respected. So the Freebirds are accompanied by Rocky King, who is now Little Richard Marley. <laughs> the look of disgust on your face. So this match has your classic 80s racism. So we've got a black guy who's working with rock and roll. We'll call him Little Richard, and let's cement it with Marley. And then we've got some... Um, cultural appropriation as well, because the young bloods aren't Native Americans as they're dressed as. Where are they from? They're Americans, but um, their dad's Hispanic, I believe. Ah. Oh. He's um, I think I've got his name down here somewhere. Did I write it down? He's Romero, something Romero. Cesar Romero? Nah, but he was a wrestler back in the day. Okay. Nothing for the Joker reference. Fair enough, Dave. No, I, I'm not. This- I see accepting it, it with this match. Yeah. Now, the the young bloods, the Renegade Warriors, when I was a kid, if I'd have seen them, I would have loved them. They were Their look is the 90s young buck. They look like the young bucks. Only bigger. They're a lot they're, bigger. They're, they're, they're big guys, but they look like they, they look like a young buck distributor act. It's hilarious. Well, they existed first, so surely the young bucks are... <laughs> yeah, but they were a rocker distributor act. So, the three birds are... Fighting for their friend, Alan Iron Eagle, also known as Joe Gomez. <laughs> what is it with Hispanic people being portrayed as Native Americans? It's because at the time they didn't like Mexican characters unless they were villains. Ah, good point. I suppose he's better than Joe Scarpa. Eve Trey Strongo, Italian. His real name was Luke, but I can't find out what his second name was. Everyone thinks his name was Joe Scarpa. Apparently his, his real name was Luke. So yeah, this, this match... Um, it's a Chicago crowd. They like the heels, even if the heels are shit. Because the Freebirds, they're still not selling. They're not helping the guys look good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like they don't look good. The, the good guys, they're functional. But all you can hear from the crowd is chance for DDT. All you've got. So they just get eaten alive. The young bloods whose name I can't. The Renegade Warriors. The Renegade Warriors. You might as well have called them the Young Bloods since they are. Yeah. One young blood and another for one, christened. For one thing, get away from warriors in tag teams because all you're going to think of are the road warriors, which they are not. <laughs> They're definitely not the road warriors. This is a TV match. Could have at least called them the Renegade Masters. Well, that was that was a couple of years later, wasn't it? It's a few years later, yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, it's a TV match. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is. A main event TV match of that because you've got named. Yeah, you job don't. guys, but they're still going to be job guys. There was, I mean, I like I like Little Richard Marley being dressed up like um, Robert Gibson. Robert Gibson, that was all right. That's that's heat. All right, but the crowd don't care. I didn't either. So yeah, there's no, there's nothing. There was one good. The only thing I can remark on in the match is the end where one of the young bloods. Let's just call them the young bloods. Where one of the young bloods gets a roll up, and as they're sitting down to get the roll up, the referee's counting. The other three. Uh, is it Michael Hayes comes in? Michael Hayes comes in. Yeah. It's an Oklahoma. Is it an Oklahoma roll? Whichever roll it is, where you end up basically sitting on the opponent, yeah. and he DDTs him out of the pin, and it, it was really cool. I thought that was the coolest thing in the match, and you know that I don't like Michael Hayes. You love Michael Hayes. I don't know what you're talking. Just about. because you bought me the action figure does not mean I love Michael Hayes. Although he's still making boxes, going back. Ah, oh, you're good, mate. <laughs> so at this point, because I was watching it and making my notes, and I'd only seen two matches. In reality, yeah, I've got two matches, both tag matches, both dodgy finishes. Yep. And now we have a horseman interview. It's Flair putting over Sid for going for the world title. Why is he okay with this? There's only three horsemen here. Yeah, there are only three horsemen. They keep they hold up the four though, so they're not just called the horsemen. No, they are the four horsemen. Right. There's only three of them there. There's Sid, there's Arn, and there's Rick. But Rick is doing everything he can to put over how cool and strong Sid is. When Sid's going for the world title. Now, the last time someone went for the world title, it was Sting, and Rick was really pissed at him and threw him out the horseman. Uh, but that was when Rick was the world champion. Uh, true, true. I hadn't actually thought of that. That's a, okay, that's a, that's a decent defence, I guess. Rick has other business tonight. He's teaming with Arn. That should be good. They're going for the tag team title. Um, yeah, so that's Rick puts over Sid, Arn does a little bit, and Sid is very shouty. He rules the world. Yeah. Arn does have a great line when he says to do because uh, they're, they're going for the world tag team titles and he says Doom if you want to leave out the back door the life you save might be your own and I was like yes Arn Anderson king of the cool one liner in wrestling so should we move on to the next match yep it's a tag team match oh a tag team match we haven't seen any of those so the US tag titles it's the Nasty Boys versus the Steiners. Oh, the Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys suck. Yeah. But not in this match. <laughs> so, it's the Sheep Herder thing, I put it as. I remember the Sheep Herders as the Bushwhackers. I remember the Nasty Boys as two guys who used to put people's heads into their armpits and use their bad yeah. odour as a weapon. Yeah. This was brutal. It was great. I loved it. I loved it because the nasties just they, the nasties got bust open and just kept wrestling. It was like, yep, yeah, all right, let's go. It was a fight. It looked like a fight. Even the even the big brawling matches we've seen with the Road Warriors or with Doom or the Skyscrapers still felt like they were wrestling matches. Yeah, yeah. This felt like two guys had come out of the crowd and were just trying to beat up the Steiner brothers, and it wasn't working. But they weren't going to stop trying. This was really good. And keep in mind, I said that, and this match has Brian Nobbs in it. So, yeah, there's just the problem. Again, the problem is there's no real spots. Yeah, it's just I'm, I'm going to hit you. I've got a um, couple of Scots listed because it's Scott, and Scott always does amazing things. So we have Scott put on the ropes for a superplex. He fights out, puts Jerry Sags into the corner, 
and then belly to overhead, belly to bellies him out of the corner. On gen, on on sags, that's not easy because the nasty boys are built weird. Have you ever noticed that? I wouldn't call them fat. I would these days if you've oh, seen them. These days, yeah. yeah. But then again, they're what they got to be, however old they are. That's fine. But like, I wouldn't call them built as in muscular. They're big guys, though. They're just big dudes. Uh, they've got to be close on the £300 mark yeah. at this point. And to do what Scott Steiner did there... It was impressive. But yeah. then again, Scott Steiner doing impressive stuff is not new. Yeah. So the next note I've got is Scott hitting a double underhook sit-out powerbomb. Jesus. Or as JR calls it, Jim Ross calls it, what a move... <laughs> Oh, the old Vince McMahon special. <laughs> yeah, good for Vince. Maybe that's why he got hired. Yeah, this is... um, It was really good. It was really good. The best match of the night so far. Let's yeah. just say that. So let's not give away our, our match of the nights, possibly. But I've always thought the nasty... Like you, I always thought the nasty boys sucked. And I was like, oh, if we're going to get more of this, cool. Because this was this was fun. Yeah, I've heard them in shoot interviews. They say like their WCW time. They loved working with the Steiner brothers, and they also love working with Harlem Heat. But that comes quite a bit later. That's later, and I've seen those matches. They're not as good as this. I'm afraid. No, I don't. I don't think they would be because as good as Harlem Heat are, they're not Scott Steiner. They're not Scott Steiner. He's Scott just being. Like, I'm going to throw you around. And Rick just is just going to hit you with clotheslines until you decide to stay down. So there's a chair gets brought into play quite early on by Nobs or Sags, and they break up a pin attempt to a chair while the referee's distracted getting the other Steiner out of the ring. This is one of those distractions that is so blatantly obvious that you're just like, oh, come on. Yeah. They have to do it a couple of times tonight to let silly stuff get out of the way, but we'll move on to that stuff later. Yeah. And then there's a bit of Tom Foolery. And then Rick returns the favour later on. As Scott is being pinged, gets a chair and smacks the, uh, Sags in the back of the head, essentially. Yeah. And Sags comes up bloody. Yeah. It's mental. Yeah. Sags is a tough dude. Nobs. I've never really had much time for Nobs, but I was quite like, out of the two of them, I always thought Sags was much cooler. So, Jerry Sags is married to Dusty's ex-wife's sister, sister something like that. Yes, Because right. he's the uncle, almost married uncle thingy of Cody, isn't he? I think or so, one of yeah. them. When I found that out, I was like, that's so weird. But it's, it's wrestling. It's wrestling. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, I mean, there isn't much to say about the match other than bloody hell. The nasties are... Like you said, it's like the sheep herders. When you see them and you go, oh, they're the bushwhackers, and then they're cutting into someone with a fork or a bit of barbed wire. Yeah. It's like, what are the bushwhackers doing? Whoa! Yay! Yeah, um, a fun match, a good match, and it really highlighted how bad the rest of the card has been so far. So, after the Frankensteiner for the win, yeah. Even though Scott wasn't legal, I'll point that out. You always do. Um,. The Nasties attack again, get the belts off the Steiners, start hitting them with them. They start beating up Rick. They start really beating up Rick, ram him into the ring post. It's nasty stuff. Scott fights them off, and we go to a Scott Steiner interview. Were there any matches before this? 
uh, other what, matches. Were there any cup matches? No, there's still one to come, I think, or two to come. Because uh, this is so weird. It's so weird. So, yeah, we have the interview with Scott, and... I thought this was pretty good for Scott. Yeah, I thought that. I actually said it's getting better. Yeah. And then there's popcorn sellers in the background, eyeing the camera. And I thought, it looks a bit odd. Yeah, it's such a stupid segment. If you're going to do that, because it's knobs, isn't it, the popcorn seller? It's Sags. It's Sags, yeah. And they, it's they, got a fake beard. And they beat down... There may well have been a match. The match seven is coming up afterwards, so it might have been match seven was before this segment. Okay, but the way it's presented, yeah. it just comes across like, I've gone for an interview, the nasties have disguised themselves, and now they're beating up Scott Steiner. It's like, surely someone would have just kept their eye on them. I love the fake beard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes, it makes sense because the match that we're going into is only short, so it would have given them time to do this, I suppose. So we have um, a quick cut to Jim Ross and Paulie talking about what's just happened. What's just happened? Did you see the kids in the background? No, I missed the kids. There's two kids in the background, both giving the middle finger to the <laughs> cameras, and then a slightly older kid comes to the one kid and says, "Stop doing that." I'm assuming it's his big brother, and it's just kind of like they're like, "Don't do that, Mum won't let you come back to the wrestling." I was you know? going to say, like, you know, you know, you know, you're going to get the tape of this because you're at the show. Yeah. So Mum's going to see this. Stop that now. So yeah, the match we were missing, which you probably right, probably came between the Steiner segment. It's the only way it makes sense to me. So we have JYD versus Moondog Wreck. So here's my description of the match for you. Rex starts off straight away with an all-out assault, hitting JYD with everything he has. Including, for, his, including oh, his bone. Including his bone. For a whole three minutes, he just wails on him. As exhaustion sets in, JYD pushes him over and pins him with his pinky finger for a free count. <laughs> oh, I forgot JYD sold nothing. Yeah. I was waiting for you to be like, he busts out a 720 splash or something. <laughs> No, no, it is genuine JYD. Just stands there, takes it all, and then pushes him over and gets a free. JYD, the Homer Simpson of WCW at this point. Pretty much how I saw it. Oh, I'm fairly sure that's probably how that one happened. Probably. Similar. probably. There was probably a headbutt spot in there somewhere. Yeah. It lasted a whole three minutes and a few seconds. Jeez. Like, on one hand, it's like, all right, yeah, alright, cut those matches. On the other hand, I might have preferred them to the Freebirds match. Because the Freebirds match was dull. And it means there's some not tag matches on the show. That's what I, my big one with it was. Like, why have they cut mostly singles matches? So I know they cut the Master Blasters as well. Yeah, but them... you could kind of see why with them. Yeah, they're very green. Our green, that is. Yeah. So, we're on to another tag match. Yeah. We have Flair and Arn versus Doom for the World Tag Team Championships. This was good. This was pretty good. The problem they have is they're both heels. So the crowd have no one to cheer for. In Chicago, they cheer for Rick a lot of the time. True. But even even then, it's still subdued. Because I think they, I think they like Doom. It, I think the guys that like the heels also like Doom. Yeah. 
Now, I've put in this, it's the Flair-Big Man match. There's just a tag team version of it. Flair and Arn are playing the Flair role, obviously. And yep. Doom are the big guys. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. You get your standard Flair spots in there. Arn looks good. Uh, Arn always looks good. Yeah. Arn's, if anything, I, I'm just waiting for, there's a, there's a certain period in about a year, I think, where Arn just looks amazing. Like, he's, he's really good. Well, in this, they bring up, Flair is a three-time tag champion. Yeah, they brought up his, his career from the 70s. Yeah, Do you know who his tag partners were? Johnny Valentine. Not Johnny. Jimmy Valentine. Not Jimmy. Oh, come on. Oh, it's Greg, isn't it? It's Greg. It's Greg, yeah. It's sorry. Greg Valentine, yeah. Je- Greg Valentine was one of his partners. Um, oh, Sorry, I keep thinking it's the dad. Um, oh, wasn't Dusty. Nah. Do know this. Tell me, because otherwise it'll be... We have Big John Studd. I didn't know that one. And Rip Hawk. I knew Rip Hawk. Yeah. Big John Stud and Ric Flair. Both won Royal Rumbles. And Greg Valentine, it doesn't get commented on a lot, but he wears the robe he wears during WWF period because those are the robes him and Flair used to wear, <laughs> essentially. He cool. had the same robe person as Flair. That's pretty awesome. He just didn't quite go as far with the feathers. That is pretty awesome. So. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was Greg as well. That's really annoying. <laughs> So this match, heels out cheating each other, and then they just end up in a big fight on the outside. Yeah. The referee going one, two. This felt like it was one, two, nine, ten. <laughs> see you later. Yeah. And it was annoying because it was just as the crowd was starting to come alive a bit more. Because they'd gone outside, they were brawling. It was action, and the crowd haven't had that much action by the sounds. Nope. Uh, unless the Junkyard Dog match was amazing and we didn't get what, to see in the, it. in the three minutes and five seconds or whatever it yeah. was. So, yeah, it was all right. It was an all right match. Again, like I said, as it, as it started to get going, it ended, which I get, this is the start of something they're going to work on more, but this is obviously Jim Hurd. He's not very keen on Flair. Flair. Flair's been demoted. This is a demotion. But Flair isn't going to take it lying down. On on the on the other hand, you know, what are you going to do? You've got if you put him any higher up the card, he's against the US champion Lex Luger or the world champion Sting, both of which we've seen several times. <laughs> several times. So yeah, I can kind of see. But you could at least you could at least start a cool feud or something. You'd have to be for a belt. Talking about feuds, we had a feud start um, on one of the last shows. Yes, Stan Hansen attacked Lex Luger. Stan the Lariat Hansen. And tonight he's going to fight him, but first he's going to cut a promo on him. On him. No, he cuts a promo on a pumpkin. He spits tobacco on the pumpkin. <laughs> That's what I've got renowned. I'm going to translate the promo. All this stuff is bullshit. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to hit you hard and pooey spits on the pumpkin. Yep. Spits chewing tobacco on the pumpkin. It looks disgusting. It is gross. Yeah, it's all hanging out of his mouth. I think he looks awesome. It's disgusting, but I think he looks awesome. So that was a pre-recorded promo, because we're going straight into the match. Yes. This is Hansen versus Lex. That's how I've got it written down. Yeah. So Stan Hansen versus Lex Luger for the US title. I do like Paulie here. Go on. Do you know how many men's necks have been that, that he's broken? Do you know what this man's done? Do you know that he got banned from the US? He's talking about Bruno Sammartino in the WWF without saying he broke Bruno Sammartino's neck because that puts over the WWF. He, he messed up a body slam and broke Bruno's neck. 
the, his selling it as the lariat is the yes, weapon. Yeah, love it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I've only ever I've seen a few Stan Hansen matches. I've only ever seen retired Stan, who seems like the nicest man. He's like, oh yeah, had a really fun career. So it's like, oh, this guy's mental, brilliant. You tend to find that with the older kind of, if they were mental in the ring, they're a bit saner in reality. Yeah. Terry Funk. Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen. Vader in later life, I believe, as Vader well. Vader calmed down quite a bit, yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. All oh, the Mexican, he got banned from the US. And I was just like, you're a genius, Paulie. This is the best, this is the best work you've done tonight. So, we've got Hansen there, and Hansen's selling the fact that he doesn't want to wrestle, he wants to fight. But immediately, he gets in the ring and gets out of the ring and starts marching up and down, is the only way to describe it. Yep. Uh huh. Not going to get in the ring until he's ready to fight. Oh, I forgot I forgot something about the flare match. Oh. Did you notice his tights? The light blue? Yeah. Man should have worn a cop. You could see everything. It was ridiculous. I have no idea how I caught all this. But it was like, Jesus. And the only reason I've remembered that is because the match straight after, which is this one, Luger usually wears like neon colours, doesn't he? Yeah. These ones he's wearing like off pink. So from a distance, it was just like he was naked. And that's when I started questioning myself. I was like, so why did you, like, because I was like, man, Rick's, Rick needs to get new trunks because that, that, it's bad. <laughs> and then I was like, and Lex, Lex Luger looks naked. And I'm like, I need to see somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you're seeing Lex Luger is naked. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me they were not dodgy coloured pants. They were definitely off pink. But I saw them as what they were. So... Sorry, I've just totally distracted. Let's go back to the match. Stan gets back in the ring after his little marching of a nine ring, and the bell rings, and he starts hitting Lex, and Lex starts hitting him. I I thought this was quite brutal for Lex for a Lex match, yeah. but it was also real slow, yeah. real slow. It's your wrestler versus your brawler match, but Lex, although he's really good most of the time isn't quite there for this match. No. If you had someone like Flair in there, or Steamboat, someone who's been doing it a bit longer, who's a bit more ready, shall we say. Yeah, Lex Lex is not... Lex has had better matches than this. The Pillman matches were great. Yeah. But I don't think Lex is used to doing brawls. No. He's just not. He's used to being the big guy who pulls off the big move and... And, he, and Stan dwarves him because Lex is caught shreds he's, he looks really impressive but Stan's just like he's like a rectangle he's just wide and thick and he's the kind of guy that if you spilt his pint you'd be like I'll buy you five more just leave me alone you know what I mean you can see him in a pub brawl <laughs> yeah actually hitting people with whatever's in hand yeah that's oh, pint glass I'm just going to finish this and then I'll brain you with it yeah he looks vicious yeah, but Santa is very nice in reality. Well, he, he seemed very nice in the interviews. I've, I've I've read of him. Yeah. So we have the match going on. It doesn't doesn't last long. Doesn't last. No, it's hard hitting stuff. Like we said, the crowd aren't into this. No. Which is weird because the crowd are usually into Luger. Whether they cheer him as a baby face or a heel, he usually gets a decent reaction. So we have a guest appearance here. A man we used to see at one point for a bit. Well, I'm gone. You've missed a step. Have I missed a step? First of all, there's a ref bump. 
There is. Ref bump. I've got it written down and everything. Ref bump. And then here comes Daniel Spivey. Yes. Dangerous Dan Spivey, who I believe was tagging with Hansen in Japan. All Japan, all Japan yeah. And he hands Hansen his bell. He's got... Needs more cowbell. Cowbell, yeah. And the cowbell does nothing. There is no point in the cowbell in this match. Because Stan Hansen tries to use it and Lex thwarts him. And then Stan just... Smacks him in the head. Lariat, yeah. You see, Lariat, I think of the... The clothesline from hell. Clothesline from hell, that kind of thing. He brings his arm in. Yeah, he he literally. It's like um, if you remember the old Hasbro figures. Yeah. Remember Greg Valentine, we just turn the arm and then it would swing back. Yeah. It's like that. Do you know why? Because it's his move and he'll do it how he wants. There's that. There's also the fact that he's nearly legally blind. Apparently, apparently he's very, very like he's very short sighted. So it'd be like, well, it has to connect. So I'm going to swing it hard so that it looks good. Because I don't know where you are. Brilliant. Um, and, uh... But, ouch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Concussion City. And then one, two, three, and we have a new US champion. So, it was a clean finish. No, it wasn't. Ref bump. Well, the ref bump and the attempted use of the cowbell, but... No, this I'm, I'm not letting this be a clean finish. Not with all the other garbage we've... There's been no clean finishes tonight. It's been fluff after fluff. I think you're forgetting about... Um, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Some I, of the matches I, I called. Was gonna say, I was going to say, I forgot all about the uh, the Moondog Rex match and the Junkyard Dog. That was that was a, a dominant performance by the dog, I'll give you that. Yeah. But on the matches we've seen on tape... Yeah, I'm not allowing it to be clean when it's, there's been... A guy come in and give someone a weapon. And we're coming up on Vince Russo's booking in a few years. Yes. It's just kind of like, I wonder where he got these ideas from. Oh, you act like Vince Russo watched wrestling. <laughs> I'm guessing he talked to people and they said, oh, we used to do this. And he went, oh, we'll do that. And we'll do that. And we'll do that. And we'll do that. In one show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very much like that in this show, unfortunately. It really is. Um, it got to the point where I'd stopped paying attention because like, some bullshit's going to happen. So, we get another interview after this match, anyway. Missy Hyatt saying, like... Oh, no, we have an interview in between that. Oh, I missed that one. We have Theodore Arlong, interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Oh, yeah, I just put... Saying, the horsemen aren't getting another shot. Doing with the best. Woohoo. I actually thought it was all right. Teddy's a good talker. Right. Which I never realised when I was, I was younger. But he is pretty good. Peanut head. And then we get Missy Hyatt coming in to predict that City's going to win just before Paul Heyman can predict that City's going to win just to annoy Paul Heyman. She's there to advertise the weekend show that she Main does Main event with, or whatever it is. Yeah, she does with JR. Uh, I know she was dressed as the Wicked Witch of the West in a backstage thing because I've seen, I've seen that because what happens is this might be one of the reasons one of the singles matches is cut. I think it's Bill Irwin's match. Bill Irwin is coming out to the ring She's just done a backstage thing. And you can hear her being like, was that good? Oh, thank you. <laughs> they just left their microphone going. Did we? Yes, we covered the Berlin win Terry Taylor match. Yeah, you you, yeah. you, you did a smallest border matches, mate. Yeah. They kind of blended into one because they were all very close together. Yeah. Right. 
We only had a main event already. I was going to say, this has been a very short... There's nothing to say about the matches. Well, this one's got some stuff to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but not so much about the matches. It's time for your main events. So we have Sid Vicious versus Sting for the world's heavyweight title. Now, I just want to say something. This is a stupid match to put on. Sting is your top baby face, yeah? And Sid Vicious rules the world. And Sid Vicious has been getting cheered everywhere. Don't forget that. Any tag team he's in, he's cheered. If he's not in the ring, he's being asked for. Yeah, right. And they're doing this in Philadelphia. Well, we're in Chicago. Oh, Jesus, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I knew it was in Chicago. Still, a heel-loving town. Yeah. This crowd could have just gone, forget it, Sid's the man. They could have pulled a Survivor Series, I think it's 96, where Sid wins the world title. You ever seen that one? I've seen them, yeah. Where it's it's uh, Sid and Shawn Michaels, and they just boo Shawn to death to the point where he starts crying. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if that had happened, because people love Sid. Not so much after this match, because it's really pat. So, so nothing impressive in this match? No, it's it's tests of strengths, but neither of them know. Well, neither of them should really be losing a test of strength. No. So don't do a test of strength. You've got some high spots for Sting, as usual. He does a wonderful run down the ramp and dive into the ring. That clothesline. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. He does a beautiful high cross body as well. Yep. And Sid kicks out after one. Which is awesome. Which is yeah. which is what should be happening. I really like that. And it's very slow. It's very plodding. Neither of them know how to lead a match yet. I don't think Sid ever gets out to lead a match. But Sting isn't ready to be the leader in the match. The heel generally leads anyway in a match. Yeah. Sid isn't there. Sid's just not. Sid just doesn't have that yet. And Sting's not really there either. No. Don't get me wrong. Sting should be world champion. I'm not saying it was a bad decision to make him the top guy. But he needs to be in there with experienced people. Where's Terry Funk gone? I was just about to say, bring in Funk. Bring in Steamboat and say it's a respect thing. You were, you beat Ric Flair. I've also beaten Ric Flair. And he said that we were both his best opponents. Let's see who's the best out of both of us. I could go for that. <laughs> See, I like babyface matches, personally. Yeah, me as too. long as they're done in a thing of, it's about respect, yeah. or it's about winning something, because we're here to win stuff. Or, like, my favourite babyface match is probably Warrior Hogan. Because it's just two superheroes that never lost. That's fine. And that was about the world title. Or combining, but... Uh, so, like... That works. It doesn't have to be like... Neither of them turned heel by the end of it. You know what I mean? What about Davy Boy Brett? Ooh, Davy Boy Brett is a better match. Or Brett um, Piper. Although Piper plays the heel throughout that match. I was going to say, Brett plays the heel in, in Bulldog. Yeah. Brett as well. But at the end, it's all hugs and shaking hands. Yep. And, you know, I'm, I'm fucked. I've been smoking crack with... Jim Knight-Hart, and I forgot the entire match. Oh, I came up with another good one, then I forgot it already. Oh, Brett versus Mr. Perfect at the 94... King of the Ring? King of the Ring. 
Mm. My dad could do your dad. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Don't get me wrong. I just think my favourite, because they are literally He-Man and Skeletor, or He-Man and He-Man. <laughs> He-Man and Lino. Yeah, He-Man and Lino, perfect. It's just, who's going to win? I don't know. Right. Shall we get on to the match? Yeah, let's go back to actual reality where it's it's Sid versus... So we said neither of them can really lead the match, so they need some experience. So here come on and Rick to help out. To help? You think this helped? I don't think this helped at all. This is... I'm baffled. So Arn and um, Rick are there distracting the referee, essentially. She's fine. Sid and Sting fight off into the crowd. There's a little way that I hadn't noticed before and I don't think they told Paulie what was going to happen because Paulie is just going why is Sid going out into the crowd and he's getting into the ring he can't win out there and he was constantly basically calling Sid an idiot and then here comes Sid and Sting back Sting seems to be taller he's fixed his face paint hey you don't know you don't know what happens man growth burst can happen at any time and he Sting goes to slam Sid and Sid lands on him one, two, three. We have a new world champion. Yeah, we have a new world champion. The bell rings. Yeah. Fireworks start going off. Sid has the belt. Sting has left the ring, and here comes Sting back into the ring. Shorter again, with his face paint messed yes. up again. Yes. And JR is desperately trying to explain what has happened. Because they haven't cut to it on the camera. They haven't changed. The camera angle has been completely messed up. Anyone in that crowd would not know what had happened. It's a complete mess because what has happened is that Barry Windham dressed as Sting, and when I say dressed as Sting, they did a really thorough job because the horseman must have broken into it, must have broken into his dressing room, found out what tights he was going to be wearing, what makeup he had planned for that night, made exact duplicates, and then pulled the switcheroo. Yes. So Sting comes back in, pins Sid, gets the free count. There was no bell ring. There was no bell ring. The referee just accepts that he's the actual Sting this time. And <laughs> yep. Doesn't call for a hold to the match, say, we're going to hold up the title, we'll sort it the next show. It's just, yeah, okay, Sting wins the belt back. No, he just or, never well, lost it. Never lost it, wins the match. What a mess. Again, if Vince had done this, there would have been nice tight close-ups after Sting had lost. Sting would have rolled under the ring so you could tell it wasn't legit. This was just nice, long, wide camera angles so you couldn't really tell what was going on. Well, I- after the match is finished, they did the playback and they have a playback of Sting face-to-face with Barry Windham Sting and it's just like, oh. Yeah. I went, did I miss that in the thing? Nope. nope. The camera work has been better this show, but nowhere near as good as it could be. I, I, I've I read about this angle quite a lot, yeah. and I've read that it was a terrible angle. It wasn't a terrible angle. It's quite good. It's a good idea. Terrible. Terrible execution. Utterly garbage execution. Because what you do, if you're going to do this, don't mess around for the entire rest of the show for a start. You make sure quite a few of your baby faces win. Then you have the switcheroo go down, Sid wins the belt. Then you have the real Sting come out and you see that there's two Stings. Then you do your TV saying, wait, Sting didn't lose. 
the horseman have pulled a fast one. Instead, you cram what is effectively two weeks of TV into the ending five minutes of this match. Or if you really want to get done in the night, have the ring announcer say, the referee has just informed me that due to it clearly being a miscommunication yeah. or whatever, and this the real sting will continue. There we go. The real sting is now back. This match will continue. And then have them have an, a bit of a match rather than yeah. the two seconds we got and Sting getting his belt. Yeah. It just felt so rushed and such a mess. But if you're going to do it, either go the TV route, create another mountain for Sting to... Personally, I think doing it that way would have been worse because you've made your... He's no longer your world champion. And that he's, His first reign is a complete mess that then. I get why you wouldn't do that. But why do this? Was the Black Scorpion in any way responsible for Barry Windham being Sting? Ooh, they could have done that. It would have been funny, but but <laughs> it couldn't be worse than what the Black Scorpion just did. So um, I made myself disappear. <laughs> <laughs> and all the fans too. Did you ever see um, Jesus doing the feeding of the 5,000 on South Park? Now turn around. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, Jesus on Family Guy, which is... <laughs> changing his fingers two fingers here two fingers here two fingers here uh, South Park the water into wine pulling a jug of wine from under <laughs> the table that's essentially what the Black Scorpion's like yeah but it's a waste of Sid I mean Sid's not great but it's a waste of Sid as a challenger to be like let's do this dumb Sid should have been more dominant and they sh- and they should have had Sting fight from underneath and he just wasn't they were just kind of equal nobody really sold much they should have been. I, I agree that Sid and Sting shouldn't have been put together at this point. As no. uh, neither of them are ready for it. And like you say, Sid is getting massive pops, even in the towns where he's a heel. It was risky to put him in somewhere like Chicago. Yeah, it was really, it was really risky to put him in somewhere like Chicago, and hope they didn't just go, ah, fuck Sting. I'm surprised they didn't try to build up to Sid versus Rick. But then again, Jim Hurd had Ric Flair. Yep. He likes Sid Vicious, because Sid Vicious looks like those WWF wrestlers. Yeah. Which what? I like Sid, after, after this, after this watching all this stuff, I no longer think, like, oh, Sid was lazy. I don't think that. I just think he was limited. He had a good look. And why wouldn't he just keep going backwards and forwards between the two companies? It's not his fault they're going to pay him. And he gets to play softball in the off time. That That's a bit of a dick thing to do, but yeah. Not a great first title defence for Sting on pay-per-view. So our next one's a Clash of the Champions. Yes, it's Clash of the Champions 13. Yeah, Thanksgiving Thunder. Yeah. So is it going to be like the early Clashes where it was a big show or is it going to be more recent Clashes where it's a build-up to the next pay-per-view? I wish I could guess, but unfortunately I know. It's a build-up to the next pay-per-view. I'm just thinking of things they could have done. Why Sting? Why why Sid? Put him in there against Arn. Him and Arn would have had a great match. You've got a recently singled wrestler in terms of Bobby Eaton who could have... Bobby would need building up as a singles guy though. They've got TV, they can do this. Yeah, true, true. Although no, Bobby isn't single yet, is he? He's basically after this night for all intents and purposes he is. I get one. Put him in there with Hayes. Everybody loves Michael Hayes. Yes, everybody loves Michael Hayes. Actually, I've got a better idea. 
put Michael Hayes in there with Stan Sting. Hansen. Oh. At this point, I would have just put Stan Hansen in there with with Sting. I thought about that, but then I thought, who's Lex going to work with? Lex, could you, Lex was already whooped, Sid. Put Arn in there with Lex. Arn in with Lex, Stan Hansen in with Sting. Jim Hurd, this is how you book wrestling. Yeah. Okay, what are we going to do with Rick? Rick, working with Pillman. Ooh. Just have some good matches. We're booking a far greater 1990 WCW than Ole Anderson and... And El Gigante can go fuck himself. (laughs) But we'll get there. Yeah, we will. And that'll be next time. But first, match of the night and MVP, Dave. Come on. It's um, match of the night is Steiners versus the Nasty Boys. MVP, I'm going to give it to Jerry Sags. Because the boy gave... Well, I say the boy, the man gave his all and bled for his art. Yeah. Match of the night, I agree with you. MVP, I'm going to say the Black Scorpion. No, I'm just kidding. The girl of the Black Scorpion pulled out. Yeah, who didn't just laugh her ass off the moment? I mean, Sags was good. Sags was good. Yeah, it might might be Sags because he got bossed open. It was going to be Sags or Scott Steiner. Yeah, it'd be... Scott Steiner's been your MVP for like half this year. Because he's that damn good. Yep. So yeah, that was... Yeah, I'm going to go with Sags. That was Halloween Havoc, 1990. What a show. The Black Scorpion Saga continues next time on Turner Years. And we'll see you then. Bye.